0: The theme of Nebraska Youth Camp, uh, according to the t-shirt, is God's Unfailing Love, and it comes from the passage in Psalms, chapter 33, verse 22. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. From young kids to parents, the old to older youth who understand the true nature of God's grace, you see... Uh, wonderful examples of growth and development i tell you we still had our first week at junior camp we had new parents that were sending their last kids first time away from home to camp and you see the parents are crying and the kids are crying and The kids want to go, but they don't want to leave mom, and they get to camp, and they're still homesick, and mom and dad are homesick for them, and then the growth process of all that, they get home, and they hug their family, and they learn so much, and had so much fun. That is a neat aspect to see, and then you get to intermediate camp, and even listen to some of the older kids who are counselors. Oh, and you hear some marvelous stories about how God has worked in their lives, and you would think you were talking to some of the most mature people that ever existed by the examples and struggles that they went through to learn more about god and his grace in their lives and it was just a beautiful experience another great opportunity to reach people in the community that we live in and that they can reach and be friends with others from all around these few states around here it was a very 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 good time crystal and i i think are on our our love deposit's about up here, you know. God's filled our tank up pretty high. Uh, our our physical deposit is kind of low. So if, if we look like we're kind of drifting a little bit, we'll catch up. We'll be all right. But uh, just add a few more weeks to my schedule, guys. I can still do it. All right. I'm just... But camp is fun. It really energizes you. It's good to see the kids going and growing and uh, learned something new Uh, intermediate week was a blast new met all new adults a whole different group and saw some of the kids that were junior weeks in the past now getting older and that's kind of fun to see also they're starting to get as big as i am so that's kind of intimidating but other than that we thank you Uh, on behalf of all the kids and everybody growing in christ this congregation does a great support in this community and for faith building uh, for the Lord's kingdom. And that's what we're about. I like what Lee said in Bible class this morning. One of the things we can wrap ourselves around under in unity as he thought about it uh, was to do what God wanted us to do. And that's uh, reaching the lost as part of it. And that does help bring that unity. So the lesson today is called God's Unfailing Love. So feel free if you can't remember because we don't have slides up. To look over at the t-shirt and see that God's unfailing love. And it starts with the question, is there a God? Well, to many of us, we grew up with the idea that, (laughs) yeah, there is a God. That wasn't a hard thing for us to figure out because we grew up in homes that taught God. God is as plain as the nose on your face. At least that's what God wants us to think when we look out there in nature. He is, he's as plain as the nose on your face. But as the kids affirmed, more and more, you can only imagine how small percentage of their classmates in school believe there is a God. Most anymore are away from that. It's just the reality that we live in right now. 30%, if that, in any class, maybe believe in God or the true God. More and more, people don't understand what should be so plain to them when they look even at just nature. That God made it, God is the creator. They claim, or the claim here is that eventually they get to the idea that God is not real. When we look at our kids' books as we pass them out, from three years old or younger all the way up, the first thing they read in some of those dinosaur books or the science books is what? 35 million years ago. That is the first thing they start reading anymore. It takes us to say, well, that's what it says, but let me teach you what this means. So it goes on and on and on, and that teaching gets stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where... We have all the troubles we have in school today with what people believe or don't believe. Evolution's a big factor in people not believing there is a God. It's all by chance and it's all by, or we might say, evolution. Evolution. And if you've ever heard a teacher anymore speak about God in the classroom, let me know because the last one I remember was when I was in junior high. And he says, well, you can believe in evolution. I'm told I have to teach it. But here's what I believe. And he flat out talked about creation and God. I know there's believers who are teachers, but they don't always come out flat and say it. Probably because of the society we live in. And I think that's hurting our kids more and more and more. And uh, and the kids admitted to it. I asked them, hey, how many genders are there? (laughs) Of course, you get the ones that, no better, and they go, they laugh and they go, too. Okay, how many genders are you taught about out there? Well, the highest count I heard was 327, 60. They're giggling. They say, wow. But that's what is being taught to them in school. That's what their friends are believing, as well as all the other stuff that goes along with it. Are we the only ones who find this troubling? Is the church the only one who finds this troubling? Maybe so. I think we find it troubling, don't we? Because what are they not admitting? That God created. They created in the image of God, male and female, he created them. Genesis 126. It's a flat out denial of what God did. So we live in a tough surroundings anymore, especially in the United States. We have a lot of work to do, and, but it's a good work. As I said to the kids in the class, you may have trouble believing some of these steps or talks that I talked about or the class structure was, because we're building our faith in different blocks per day. I said, that's good. That's fine. But you're here. You're listening. You want to be here amongst godly people to learn. And that's the faith-building process. So we grow up in our houses, in Christian homes. We don't look at the science first because we're already going on, well, this is God's Word. But somebody who doesn't even believe that and has a hard time thinking that creation is made by God, you've got to step a little earlier in the faith-building process to teach them, hey, do you see the design that's going around here? Understand the science, the biology, the the footworks of creation, and everything like that. Read extra, study with them, talk with them about it. Because they don't even believe there's a designer to begin with. So if they can see and start seeing a design that's so plain on their face, or as the nose on their face, then they have to admit, if they don't admit there's a God, they have to admit there's a designer. And when you start admitting there's a designer then you've got to start hitting the realm of there's a God. Well, what does God say? Surely if he made everything, then he must have told us something. And there you go. So when we go to people at school or something, you say, hey, the Bible says this. Well, I don't believe the Bible to begin with. Guess where you need to start? You need to start at teaching them that there's a designer and a design. So those who are very good at the sciences and the biology and things like that, hey, right down your alley, we live in a world that doesn't even believe that God exists anymore. So let's teach them about the design and the intricacies of that. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 lays it out pretty simply. From God's viewpoint, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to him to them. So God says, hey, they really don't have an excuse because it's as plain as the nose on your face. There's a design. Therefore, there has to be a designer. God's the designer. Listen to what I have to say. But the world does what? Suppresses the truth. I don't really have a great example of what that looks like, except maybe a press. And you squish things. And you get it out of its realm and you destroy it and you suppress it and you knock it out. You know That's one of Satan's great abilities. Why do certain people fall away so quickly after realizing the truth? He comes in and he grabs the gospel out of their lives. He snatches it out. And they fall away. He's very involved here. That was one of our other teachings. Satan is real. You know how many people don't believe that even Satan is real? Well, just as many people that don't believe God is real. This is my life. I don't have any morals to follow or anything like that. But that's one of Satan's tricks. That's one of his teachings. His lies. He's a master at lies. And he snatches the gospel out of people's hearts and takes it away from them. And they fall away. So Satan's lie is, what you see is what you get. And what you see is what you want to see, then what you see is what you're going to get. So Romans chapter 1, verse 25 says this, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And that's what the world has done, hasn't it? That's what we're up against. They exchanged the truth for a lie. And the truth is so important. It's something that we need to understand because it's as plain as the nose on your face. The second point, his word is love. But we are no fools, are we? We here are no fools. We understand that there is a God and God sent his son in Proverbs, talks about seven different kinds of fools. We don't see that in the English language, but in the, in the language it's written in, it's seven different words as I understand it. The basic type of fool is like a, a youth who just doesn't know what the parents know. They get uh, maybe in trouble uh, and uh, have a kid before marriage, something like that. They've been led astray. They're foolish. Big consequences, uh, but it's not the worst kind of fool, believe it or not. The worst kind of fool, as Scripture talks about, is the one who says there is no God. That is the worst kind of fool there is. You see, His word is love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2.13. Let me turn to that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's one of the other things we need to teach people. This is just not a myth book. This is not a, a story of mythology. We've got to teach people that the word of God is not the word for men. Oh, another lie of Satan that he tries to destroy and throw at us. Oh, Paul was this and Paul was that. He's not up to our times today. He teaches a this, that, and the other that our society doesn't agree with. So throw his words out. But if you understand that God created everything, that he's a designer of what's designed, and he's so awesome that way, And you read, and it's not hard to figure out if he can do that. How hard was it for him to bring this to us over the centuries and centuries? Not hard at all. This is plain as the nose on your face. It's a word from God. It's not a word from man. As Josiah, the king, uh, who was eight years old when he became king, learned as he grew into his kingship, He neither turned to the right nor to the left. He went straight on with what God wanted him to do. Right and left is the sin. Straight on the narrow with what God commands is what's right. He wasn't perfect, but he was going in the right direction. We understood, we need to understand the word of God is not for man. It originated with God. And so, as Bill brought up this class this morning, he didn't want our opinion when he made covenant and the contract. We join it and we agree to it. We don't always agree to it, but he's not going to bend. He wants us to believe and follow him. He is God. John chapter 20, verse 31. This was written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you have life in his name. So we hit on the word believing a few times. What is believing? Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. That was a fun question to ask. What is believing then? Well, I got a lot of answers, but I let the scripture answer it for itself. In John three thirty six, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Oh, that wrath concept comes up again. It's in Romans where Paul wrote it. He's so difficult to deal with because he's so absolute. And then John writes it. Isn't he the one that Jesus loved? Boy, he talked about wrath too. Ah. So we learn that belief is not just, I believe there is Jesus, Son of God. It's an action word. It has to do with obedience. Not that we're ever going to be perfect or we can earn our salvation, but it has to do with obedience. Oh, that's a clicker for a lot of people. All scripture is God breathed. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it's profitable for rebuke, rebuke correction. Uh, I forgot the other two off the top of my head. Teaching in all righteousness. Um, wow. It's God-breathed. Do you get that idea? It's God-breathed. His word is love. There's love involved in it. 1 Peter chapter two, 1, verse 21 has another aspect as 2 Timothy does too. Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First Peter, Second Peter, Chapter One, Verse Twenty-One says this: For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Wow, there is a faith-building concept there, isn't there? If God created everything, and He did, He's the designer. It shouldn't be too hard to figure out that what he passed on to us is not too hard for him to carry along by the Holy Spirit through men, through his prophets. They didn't make it up. And if they did, they weren't considered the right kind of prophet. As Jeremiah dealt with in his time, right? Boy, that was a tough one for that prophet anyway, who claimed to be a prophet. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what your teacher says about evolution, what society says about gender. No, by the word of God. We're very centric in our thinking. We have come from our directions in life And we're focused on the cross. We're focused on the word. His word is love. You know there's science in the Bible too? You know there's science in the Bible? You know, I can use scripture to prove scripture, and I think that's just a great thing. But I can also use science to prove scripture. Job. Job does it. Very good job. Job chapter 36. Let me try to find that. Job Psalms. Job 36. And he's talking about something that one of the girls brought up and says, I know what that is. And I said, you're exactly right. Did you know how long this was written before our modern age science figured it out? Here it is. See if you can figure out what it's talking about. Job 36, 27 and following. For he draws up the drops of water. They distill his mist in rain. Science. Go back to science which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilion? Behold, he scatters his lightning about him and covers the roots of the sea. For by these he judges peoples, he gives food in abundance, he covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. It crash, it's crashing declares its presence. The cattle also declare that he rises. What is he talking about? He's talking about the water cycle. I learned that in science in school. That was just about about, about as science as you get. You look at it, you observe, you learn, and you realize. That's probably not the, the right science theorem, I'm sure. But God wasn't taken out of it. It's just the reality of the world we live in. But nobody did an extra effort to say, at least in that case, wow, look what evolution did for us. Oh my, oh my. On and on and on we go. Did you know that the earth is round? I thought Columbus was going to fall off the edge of the earth. Oh, but thousands and thousands of years ago, Isaiah, you know, that's what, 600, 600, 700 B.C., 2,700 years ago. You know, what did he say? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. Isaiah, Jeremiah. I have to do that in my head. So if I'm just speaking outside, that's kind of what I do inside my head. So uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. What does he say? I tell you, it's abundantly clear. It's abundantly clear. Is he who sits above the circle of the earth. (laughs) just? Just right there. Columbus, you Portuguese and Spanish and all you great learned people. It's right there. He sits above the circle of the earth. It's not flat. Wow, and we were so concerned. We're going to fall off the edge. But it was told us 2,700 years ago. Before modern day science. There must be something about this word that's special. Satan says there are many, many, many books out there. Many gods, many ways. And there are. But we need to stand up for the truth. The one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boy, you speak that loud enough and you're going to have a lot of people in your face. Why? Because they don't want to believe that Jesus is the only way. There are many ways. Satan's really good at that, isn't he? We need to build these building blocks of faith for our people. They need to know where to stand on, because if you build these building blocks and there's, one of them are knocked out, oh, the whole thing tumbles. People need to learn it all. They need to grow in it all. Over time, they need to keep learning. Who stopped learning? Well, you stop growing if you've stopped learning. True love is the third point. And isn't that what it's really all about? What love is? Truth. What is the nature of God? He is the God of love. But worldly love measures it with a different definition, doesn't it? A different definition altogether to do what you want to, to be happy on your own basis, to have relationships that are outside of marriage or that not part of God's will. That's love to them. Genesis 1, 26. God created man in the image of God. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Whose image are we to created in? God's. And then who came along and messed with the image? No wonder so many people have image problems in our world today. Satan came in and made the world in his image. So we struggle. So we're trying to get back to the image that God wants us to be in the first place. The image after him. The image of following his ways. But the world comes in and says, no, 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 no. And now we see the real aspect of God's love in his nature of justice. You might be going, what? Lee's going, I know what justice is. There's not a lot of mercy in justice. It's a lot of absolute. You did wrong, you're punished. You follow along the statutes, whatever's written. He might have a heart for mercy. But God is a God that understands justice. And he says, any sin done against me has to be penalized. Has to be. Well, you're going... Where's the God of love in that? I should be getting off scot-free. Well, that's the point. Because his nature is absolute, also injustice. He wants us free from the penalty of sin. But he can't let the punishment go. So what does he do? He sends himself to take the punishment. That's love. That's love. It's not about letting people get away with things and say, Oh, well, in God's eyes, it's about they broke my spiritual reality with them. They lost my image. I need to get it back, but how are we going to get it back? I'll send myself in Jesus, God took our punishment. That is real love. And for those of us who accept Jesus Christ and have His blood covered in our sins, wonderful, awesome, but nobody got off scot-free. Somebody else took our punishment. God paid the penalty. As I close in John chapter 19, one of the things I want us to I want you to read this week, John chapter 19, 1 through 30. And I want you to look for all the love words in here. And I'm going to start us off in verse one, and I want you to hear that love word, okay? Are you ready? It's a love word. You know you'll know it exactly what it is. And it happened that while I'm in Acts, so I better go back to John. John 19, verse 1, Then Pilate took and flogged him. That was the emphasis on the word flogged was the hint that that was the word I wanted you to catch. That's a love word. Do you realize that? The kids go, what's flogged? What's flogged? We don't know what flogged is. I said take a handle and put seven leather straps on it, bone and metal and rock, tie it in and whip it across his back. He took our punishment, and that's the start of it or part of it. That's the love he really has for people. He doesn't want them lost. He wants them saved. So when you get into the idea of what is love in this world, they need to know. Let me tell you how God defines love. And it's me taking your punishment, God taking your punishment so that you can be saved with him. That's true love. God's unfailing love. One of the kids said, well, why didn't God just destroy Satan? And I said, I don't think I know the complete answer for that one. But here's what I think. Satan had a choice. He took his choice. God can make us do anything he wants to. I don't have any doubt in that. He can make us all followers. But he doesn't. Satan wants us to do everything he wants us to do. But he has no power to force us. It comes down to choice. Our choice. Who's are we going to choose whose image are we wanting to follow god's image that he really wants man to be in that relationship with him also or satan's image it's his world in that sense and all he wants to do as my one of my teachers used to say is scratch your name out of the book of life old scratch he is not your friend Jesus even said, hey, he's a murderer from the beginning. He's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. Anything, anything, anything that takes you away from God's truth is a bold lie. It's a bold lie. The truth and love coexist lies and death coexist we need to know God's word because he is a God who has unfailing love for each and every one of us the kids had a good time at camp Crystal and I had a good time at camp Uh, it's it's a joy to take the kids to camp and be a part of that and it's a joy to know that you guys are right there with them supporting them all the way So it's been a good week with good thoughts. I have to say though, that some of the kids splashed me at camp with water and uh, I got wet. Yes, you, I'm looking at you, she has her mouth wide open, sitting next to mom. (laughs) We had our fun too. It's a good learning experience. Oh, I got another thing to share for another time. We'll see if I remember that. Uh, If there's anybody here who has anything, uh, any concerns in their life they would like to open it up or a or, uh, prayer requests of any kind, this is a great time to do that. We'll give you hugs. We'll give you the love God wants us to give you. Please come forward now as together we stand and sing. Would you be free from the burden of sin There's a- In the blood power